Hey everybody, welcome to Rotto Runthrough, where once again, I am going to be ranking my collection. Oh yeah, this is my third episode in this ongoing series where I just do a cavalcade of A-B comparisons and you get to watch me squirm as I have to make tough, tough choices. Like, I don't know, um, Arhyal versus Zapotec, uh, Founders of Teotihuacan versus The Loop. These are tough, tough choices and I'm going to be making them and explaining myself as as I go. This is actually, like I said, the third episode. If you want, you can hit that I in the top right corner of the screen and watch episodes one and two, where, especially episode one, where I kick the whole series off and explain how everything works, including the fact that I'm using the excellent Pub Meeple ranking engine. There's a link for that down in the show notes if you would like to play around with it. It's a lot of fun, as you're about to watch. So, um, without any further ado, folks, let's get to it. Let's start ranking. And what do we have up first? on the docket another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Talk about a Sophie's Choice. As um, one of the biggest Steffenfeld fans in all of board gaming, I now have to pick Coca-Pelli or In the Year of the Dragon. And really, these are two of Feld's best, and they're two of his most unique games. I mean, Coca-Pelli, most people wouldn't believe you if you told them it was designed by Steffenfeld. Such a wonderful game, all about synergy between players as we are trying to throw celebrations on our own board, but we can also bleed our celebrations onto our opponent's boards as well which could slow them down or it could create opportunities for them. And the game has so much variety, so many unique cards. Every time you play, you get a radically different experience as opposed to Year of the Dragon, one of the most brutal Euros, Euro-style games ever released. Um, this You have 12 years to survive, or months to t- survive the Year of the Dragon, and most months bring plague and pestilence and um, drought and all kinds. There's a couple of good ones, but for the most part, it's a bad year this Year of the Dragon. And you know every month before the game even starts. So from turn one, you are planning for, right, what do I have to do in round nine when we get to September, and round 10 when we get to October? But what am I going to do in February to prepare myself for for October. They're both brilliant. Okay, and I've talked enough. I've waffled enough. I have to decide. And folks, if you disagree, let me know down in the comments. I love to hear second opinions where I get it wrong, but I think in this case... I love In the Year of the Dragon, but oh my gosh, it's so brutal. Sometimes this game can really make me feel... If you play well, you feel so brilliant. But if you play poorly, you feel so stupid. Whereas Cocapelli, I love the interaction between players. Some people think it's negative. I think it's positive. So it's going to be uh, the Cocapelli. Okay, next up, City Council versus Trails of Tucana. Hmm, okay. So, City Council is an... Um, I think it's long out of print. It's going to be hard to get, uh, but I'll explain it anyway. It is a SimCity-style game. And what's interesting about it is we all players are members of the, of the City Council, and we have to approve 
um, contracts to build schools or fire stations or parks or whatever. And um, a big part of the game is negotiation between players. Because we all have lobbyists, i.e. secret objective cards, that means we have to try to get the city to hit certain thresholds and, you know, to get government funding or whatever it might be. And so I might not want a city park. And you do want a city park because of your needs. And we have to work it out amongst ourselves because players literally vote. One player will make a, uh, you know, will we'll put forward, hey, are we going to do this project? And let me tell you why it's going to be great for the city. Because here's the deal. If the city goes down in flames, we all lose. But then we all have our own secret objectives on top of it. Um, and the thing is, you might say, well, that sounds great. But as a two-player game, how does it work? It has a brilliant um, uh, a third dummy player who does, you know, who is very obvious. You always know how the third dummy player is going to vote. So you, um, our player is going to work to override the dummy player. I like to call him Councilman Jam, and uh, it's fantastic. It's so unique. I love SimCity-style games, and this is one of the coolest unique ones out there. Versus Trails of Tucana, which is basically a sequel to one of the greatest rolling rights of all time, as far as I'm concerned, Avenue, a really wonderful um, uh, network uh, route-building game where we're trying to connect different islands um, on the, uh, the I believe, make-believe island of t- different different shores, different villages on this island of Tucana. And, uh, you know, it's a, uh, what do you call it, a bingo-style game. It's really, really good. It's very good. It is an excellent roll and write. I believe if you go check out my run-through, you can play along with me because you can download the sheet and see if you can beat my score. But City Council is so unique, so special. A negotiation game that works well with two. More of that, please, for me, it's City Council. Okay, next up, we've got Jump Drive versus La Isla. Oh, this is all Feld all the time. La Isla, we'll do that one first, is one of Steffenfeld's lighter games. Doesn't really hit his normal mid to heavyweight, but it's still an excellent game where we are... um, um, I guess nature documentarians, if I recall correctly, scientists, documentarians, trying uh, to come to this island where many long um, extinct animals are still thriving, like uh, the, uh, I believe, is that a, a dodo right there right there on the cover. And so we are here not to capture these animals, but to study them in their natural habitat. And we do this through a very, very cool uh, card action system that's just freaking brilliant. Multi-use cards done beautifully well from Steffenfeld with a wonderful, positive, upbeat theme. That's La Isla. It's freaking great. Jump Drive is also freaking great. This is basically... Um, Roll for the Galaxy Express. It takes about 15 minutes. You start from nothing. Uh, It's one of those, hey, to play this card, I've got to discard other cards and what sacrifices will I make to build up your own little unique. And every time you play, you're going to get an interesting dramatic story as your space civilization advances, whether you focus on military or culture or whatever it might be. And it's going to be done in 15 minutes. And the acceleration on this game, you start out with nothing. And by the end of the game, you are making such huge, monstrous turns. At the beginning of the game, you're like, I scored three points. That's amazing. Your last turn, you might score 30 points in one turn and trigger the end of the game. It's so good. These are both fantastic. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um... Uh, I know, I'm, I apologize. I know Feldfan is here in the live stream when I stream this live on Twitch. Uh, and you'll never forgive me, but I gotta give it to Jump Drive. One of the greatest card games of all time. And Jump Drive is getting an expansion this year. I am so excited about that too. So I'm even more excited, Jump Drive. 
Okay, next up we've got Chimera Station versus Riverboat. Okay, this is a cool one. Uh, these are both mid-weight Euros. Uh, Chimera, Chimera Station is a worker placement game where um, your workers are basically these cool little aliens. I mean, Chimera Station has got to have some of the coolest... Uh, what do you call them? Components I've ever seen because these little aliens you can kind of see in the uh, box cover art. They've got a base and a uh, torso and a head, and we are basically creating these life forms by mixing and matching and you know playing with their DNA to grow. Oh yeah, this uh, this is a really smart alien. He can do certain things, but I need him to grow some tentacles too. So I'll just go ahead and slip a tentacle piece onto him so that when he goes, he can actually interact with adjacent spaces in addition to the space he goes. So cool, so smart, and so much fun. A ton of variety. Sadly, uh, publisher Tasty Minstrel Games is no more, but this is one of their true greats. Versus Riverboat, a game designed by Michael Kiesling. Most people may know him as the designer of Azul. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, Riverboat is ten times the game Azul is. A really, really brilliant game about... Um, you know, formative years of uh, Northern America, working on... Uh, it's a farming simulation, tile layer, with a lot of really cool stuff going on in the uh, northeastern part of the United States. And as we, as our riverboats head downstream, and where they are indicates what we can interact with as we try to do some really, really excellent... Uh, I believe they're hex-shaped tile-laying stuff. Excellent game, too. These are both fantastic. And I don't understand why this tool doesn't give me lots of really easy... Oh, here's one of my favorite games and one of my least favorite games, as opposed to two. I mean, these are both solid eights. But as cool as the really awesome components are and the variability, Riverboat is incredibly tension-filled, and that's one of the things I really respond to. You have to work incredibly hard with an incredibly simple and elegant system. I'm going to give it to Riverboat. Tell me if I got it wrong, folks. Okay, next up, let's make a bus route the dice game versus Rampage. Jeez Louise. Okay, let's make a bus route is the roll and write ver uh, of the dice game is the roll and write version of Let's Make a Bus Route. Or people may know it by its more recent republished game, Get On Board um, London and New York. Regardless, this is a the thing that makes all of the games in this Let's Make a Bus Route series and spin-off so cool is is these are route building games where there is one downtown city and we are all trying to make our own bus routes independently uh, to get um the right passengers to the right stops to score points. And what's interesting is if somebody gets uh, you know a particular um road on you know the grid of downtown whatever city it is um they uh, they kind of claim it. Other players could then also have their bus drive along that road later if they expand over in that area. But then they suffer pollution. And so, oh, you've already moved over there. i got to move over there because I've got to get these students to that university. But am I going to take the shortest route, which means i got to take pollution? Or am I going to take a longer route and avoid the negative consequences of pollution? So it's really, really great. And I think of all the variations that come out, the dice game, the roll and write, Although, they're all kind of roll and righty. Uh, but I think this one is the best one because it's got dice. And I like dice more than flipping cards for a thing like this. Plus, it's a tiny little box. And it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, they're all fantastic. But this is my favorite one. 
Rampage, or as it's now known, I, I've got the original first edition. It got repackaged uh, as Terror in Meeple City. But regardless, this is a brilliant dexterity game where, as part of setup, you literally build a cityscape full of uh, skyscrapers full of meeples. And then, once the cityscape is built, we have these kaiju Godzilla-type monsters, and we flick a disc around to say where they move, and then we uh, flick the disc to try to literally destroy the buildings, or we do special moves that drop things on top of the building. It is so fun and cool and clever. And it's it, at first, it looks like a simple party game, but there's actually surprising depth because you have certain goals. Oh, I want to eat certain types of uh, citizens and I don't want to eat other ones as we go on our monstrous rampage and deal with you know what the uh, army throws back at us and stuff like that. They're both great. They're both a lot of fun. But I got to give it to Let's Make a Bus Route the Dice Game uh, because... Um, uh, it's, it's more crunchy. I mean, Rampage is a party game plus. I really like it a lot, but... Uh, let's make a bus route. The dice game is one of uh, the better rolling rights on the market, so that's where it goes. Then we've got Medici the card game versus the Institute of Magical Arts. Wow! And these are both like mid to high sevens for me, or low eights. Medici the card game is, as far as I'm concerned, the best iteration of Medici. Um, Reiner Canizia did the original Medici, um, one of his old classic auctions. Uh, maybe his most pure and elegant auction game. Um, but it's a game where you can it's really hard to play. He subsequently brought out Medici the dice game and Medici the card game. And of all of them, the card game is the one that we like the most. Uh, because you know, unlike the original Medici, where the value of everything is determined by players, the card game does the most to really kind of give players more direction while still dealing with a really tough draft that is really satisfying. Plus, it's got Vincent Dutre art, so it's stunning. And uh, welcome, Raiders! Thank you, Open World Addict, here on the live stream today. So, Medici the Card Game versus the Institute for Magical Arts, which recently got a reprint, and I think... Uh, the name of the game changed, but I've still got the original edition of it. This is a very cool two-player Battle of Wits area control game. It's kind of set in you know a fantasy, magical, Hogwartsy type situation, although it's a completely you know new and unique setting where players are professors trying to get influence of other professors of um, you know which is represented by this line of cards where every round we are rolling dice in secret, determining where we're going to deploy the dice that represents our influence with the different officials of the school. And then we reveal at the same time and find out, okay, oh my gosh, do you have enough? Oh, we're both fighting for, you know, that. Um, that artifact that we're trying to get, or that professor we're trying to get on board. And there is so many mind games in this game. It is so sharp and clever and fun and fast playing. It's that rarest of things. An area control game that works for two, because it's built for two, and an area control game that Jen and I actually enjoy, where we are actively trying to one-up each other. It's really, really good. But at the end of the day, it is still a little bit more aggressive. And as I am a Care Bear player at heart, I will give the nod to Medici, the card game. Okay, Mandala versus Rattle Battle Grab the Loot. Finally, an easy one. Spoiler, folks, it's Mandala. But just to fill you in, Rattle Battle Grab the Loot is a wonderful game of a high seas piracy where uh, basically all our dice are pirate ships and there's lots of other dice to represent all the... Uh, 
the frigates were trying to raid and the uh, the navy were trying to avoid. And basically, every round we get a whole bunch of dice. My dice, my fleet, your fleet, the fleets that we're trying to beat and avoid. We shake them all up and we drop them literally into the box cover, which is this beautiful map of the uh, of the Spanish Main. And uh, then we take turns manipulating our dice, moving them around, trying to survive. It's so cool. It comes with a lot of variety with different missions you can play. And it's just so much fun to literally rattle, then you drop, battle, and then after all the battling is done, you grab the loot, whatever's left over. Very cool. But Mandala is an absolutely brilliant abstract game about creating uh, Mandala art uh, and uh, with this very, very cool thing of you know, it's a two-player game. I'm playing cards to my side to grab the pot in the middle, or sometimes I'm putting cards in the pot in the middle that we're vying for. And it's 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 very abstract. Although actually, that's not fair. I think the ideas and uh, behind uh, is it the Buddhist? I mean, the rule book actually talks about this. the The practice of mandala art, which is uh, um. Uh, you know, it's washed away once the art is complete because it's about the impermanence of life and all of that. I think actually the theme comes through very nice. But also, hey, I've now got two area control games that work amazingly well for two that Jen and I enjoy. Boy, that would have been tough if it had been Mandala versus uh, Institute of Magical Arts. But either way, Mandala is so brilliant. Thank you to Suzanne Sheldon, uh, who taught it to me at a convention many, many years ago. She sat me down and said, you will play this because you will love it as much as me. And she was right. It's got to be Mandala. Okay, next up. Nomopolis versus Heroes Wanted. Okay. Okay, Heroes Wanted is a very, very cool competitive superhero game, which I'm in, by the way. I am one of the villains uh, in the base game. And I think Jen is actually one of the heroes in one of the expansions, too. And uh, it, anyway, though, that's neither here nor there. It's a really, really cool game that at first glance looks like it's just a big old superhero beat-em-up. You've got... Uh, it, it's, it really feels less like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and more like Mystery Men for folks who have seen that. You know, it's a very quirky, silly take on superheroes who really aren't all that super. Um, but you still, you set up the board, there's tons of minions and bosses all over the place, and you have uh, cards every turn. You're going to play one card or the other and do an action, get new cards, and it's a really simple, streamlined gameplay that's all about... Really smart, puzzly ways of dealing with the crowd because you want to beat up these people, but you want to be surrounded by them because then they'll hit you back at the end. It's really good. A lot of variety. And actually, I don't know if this is true, but in the back of my mind, I've always felt like there are elements in here that I think might have inspired Gloomhaven's design. I don't know if that's true. I've never heard this. Someday I will ask Isaac Childress because I know he was in the area um, when this game was going through a lot of testing. And I know he knows the guys who developed it. And to me, this is kind of like, to me, it feels almost like a, a competitive precursor to Gloomhaven in superhero garb. It's a lot of fun. And I'm in it too. Uh, but anyway, then there's also Nomopolis, which is a fantastic game. Oh my gosh. Mm. Sadly, it's all but impossible to get it's a very, very sharp game about um, worker placement 
You have these cute little gnomes. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're doing the kind of stuff you do in Worker Place. Hey, I'm, I'm gathering resources to do things, to score points and all that. But a huge part of this game is often when I am using workers in certain ways. I mean, players have their, their gnome meeples. Oh, and by the way, did I mention it's a worker placement bag builder? So as you get more and more gnomes of different colors, you're putting them in your bag. Every round, you draw these uh, meeples out. And hopefully, you've got the meeples that will do what you want in worker placement ways. But we also have these cool little animals that the... Uh, Meeples can get on and go for a ride and go help other players, even though it's competitive. I like everything about this game. I love the gameplay. It's a very, very sharp game. And honestly, of the two, these are both great games, but I'm going to give the nudge to Nomopolis. And fingers crossed, uh, a couple of years ago, the I, if I, I want to say Brazil, but I, I believe it was, uh, they, they were, was it Chile? Uh, it, it was it was a South American development house that brought this out, and a couple of years ago, they mentioned they were working on an expansion. Haven't heard anything since, but I'm really hoping so, because this game really flew under the radar, and it's really brilliant, Nomopolis. Okay, Lancaster versus Oddville. Wow. Okay, okay. So, Lancaster is a big... Uh, complex, robust worker placement game where it's interesting... I mean, just, this is another area control game I'm talking about because you send your workers out to all the places you want to go to um, basically support the King of England in his wars against France or build up your own infrastructure, get your castles, hire more vassals, all kinds of stuff. But the thing is, I send my workers out and um, I can supplement them with vassals and whatnot, but my workers go to a space, they don't do the action. It's more like I'm making a bid to do that action. And then if somebody else wants to, they can send a bigger worker to that place and outbid me so that they do the action. So this is a worker placement game with a lot more interaction than most. And it's really brilliant. Uh, it is a little cutthroat. It can be kind of tough at time uh, in the way that you would fuse an auction game. And uh, I said area control. It's really more of an auction than area control game. But it's really, really great. Um, Oddville is uh it's basically just a deck of cards and it's a very simple smart hey we are building a very very tiny i forget i think it's like a five by five grid of cards trying to build this little fantasy town of oddville and it is just full to the brim start to finish with really tough choices um right let's see here that is a tough one i i have a Big soft spot for Lancaster. This was one of the first games that I got in my first year after becoming a diehard board game geek. And I played it so much. Oddville, I have not spent as much time with, quite frankly. Um, but I think there's so much, especially with all the uh, expansion content. Because, folks, I'm rating these not only on the value of the base game, but all the expansion content I've played, too. And when you factor in all the amazing expansion stuff uh, Lancaster has gotten over the years, it's got to be Lancaster. Matthias Kramer wins. Always bet on Matthias. Okay, next up, Seven Wonders versus Mobile Markets, a smartphone ink game. And now this is a tough one um, because Seven Wonders Second Edition I shouldn't even own because Seven Wonders Second Edition no longer supports two-player play. When uh, the publisher Repos did a really nice, super revamped version of it and all that, they officially changed the rules and eliminated two-player support. And they started re-releasing all the expansions. They've started putting out new expansions. And you can't play it two-player anymore. So, that means I shouldn't even own it. Because if I can't play it two-player, why even? But the thing is, the original two-player rules of the first edition of Seven Wonders literally put Seven Wonders in my top ten games of all time. 
Because literally, the best way to play Seven Wonders is as a two-player with the free city. Because it becomes, so, it becomes so much deeper and richer and more complex and meaty and crunchy and wonderful. And complex. Some people don't like that. They want to keep the... And I understand that. Although, I don't understand why people say Seven Wonders is a gateway game. It's a terrible gateway game. But regardless. So, the thing is, there are two caveats. I am ranking all these games based on... The uh, what I have available to me, you know, what expansions I played, and all that. So I'm checking the whole of the game, not just the base game, and I'm also basing them on the official rules. And officially, Seven Wonders does not support two-player anymore. So Seven Wonders loses. Seven Wonders is probably going to lose against almost everything whenever it comes up. But, but you know what? Mobile Markets. I don't want to downplay it. Is a uh, is is basically a a simplified, streamlined. Smartphone Inc. and it is fantastic. Really, really great. One of the most thematically grounded business simulation Euros that have ever come out. The original Smartphone Inc. and Mobile Markets made it even better as far as I'm concerned. So it's Mobile Markets all the way. Lord of the Rings, the card game versus Rolled West. Um, so a living card game. I've got the base box and I've got like three or four expansions. And I would love to spend more time with it because it's really good. It's the precursor to Marvel Champions, which I've talked about in previous episodes of this show. Remember, folks, you can catch the previous and future episodes by hitting that eye in the top right corner, following the links down in the show notes, and going to the playlist of all of my ranking shows. Um, but anyway, Lords of the Ring is basically Marvel Champions really ratcheted up in complexity uh -huh, and set in you know Tolkien's universe and really, really great. Jen and I both love it a lot. I'd love to spend more time with it. Rolled West is a lovely little roll and write re, um, simplification of Gold West. Now, if this were Gold West versus Lord of the Rings card game, that'd be a tough choice. But as much as I like Rolled West, I love those little... Um, it comes with two um, gold uh, marbled 12-sided dice that literally look like little gold nuggets that were rolling. It's a great game. But yeah, it's got to be Lord of the Rings the card game. Okay, Bad Company versus Seventh Continent. Wow, okay. So, Bad Company, still, I think it's only just now starting to be widely available. It came out, was it two years ago? Or maybe last year. No, I think two years ago with a very small print run. But it's finally getting a bigger, broader distribution. And what is it? This is basically um, the gameplay of Machi Koro. You know, that whole, hey, I've got a whole bunch of, uh, of cards. Or in this case, they are members of my crew of uh, ne'er-do-wells who like to pull off heist. And every round, um, dice are rolled. And everybody gets to activate some of their crew based on what are rolled. D um, you know, the Machi Koro formula. But Bad Company so improves on it. Bad Company improves on almost everything that has come since Machi Koro. And it's great. It's fun. It's thematic. It's a race game. It's got a lot going on. Seventh Continent is a phenomenal adventure game that truly captures the feel of of like you know of a classic PC adventure guy like an Ultima or something like that with this huge world full of opportunities to explore and all kinds of dangers and all kinds of mysteries. I mean, this game is about as close to capturing video game style adventure gameplay in analog form you can go, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I don't know what to choose. I do not know what to choose. And I can't really ask the chat right now. I would actually call, uh, use a lifeline, but I know very few people have got bad company. So this is really on me. Ugh. 
I think I'm, I'm going to go with Bad Company. Seventh Continent is wonderful, but really at its heart, Seventh Continent is designed to be a solo game. And the multiplayer co-op works, but I'm always feeling like, but, you know, really... Would this work better as a solo game? Or is Bad Company just... Uh, bad Company, I don't play and think, oh man, if only they do this or that or the other thing. So I'm going to give it to Bad Company. Okay. Ooh, Shapers of Gaia, uh, which made my top 10 games of 2022. And I think I'm the only person in all of board game media who likes it that much. I'm one of the only people in all board game media who've actually played it. Uh, folks, I'm actually going to be doing a run-through for it in the month of... Uh, February 2023. So that'll be coming soon, and you'll see why I love this absolutely brilliant engine-building game. One of the smartest engine-building games. It's up there with your cash cars, with your fantastic factories. The engine-building in this game, and, and you know, combined with really cool tiling in a one of these, hey, uh, mankind wiped out the planet, it's grown back, we've come out of our vaults, we're trying to rebuild, uh, but this time in, in communion with nature. There's so much of this game is about, even though it's a competitive game, we're all competing to be the best, we're always creating opportunities for each other, and the engine building of this game is delicious. Beyond Baker Street is basically Hanabi fused with Sherlock Holmes. Uh, and for folks who don't know, Hanabi is a game where, hey, I get my hand of cards, and I don't see my cards. Everybody else gets to see my cards, because I'm looking at the back of my cards. And every round, cooperatively, everybody has to give clues to everybody else about what's in their hand so we can figure it out. And the original hobby, or Hanabi, makes no sense. It's about fireworks displays. It's nonsensical. But you fuse it with a criminal investigation set in Sherlock Holmes, where you can be characters from the Sherlock Holmes canon with special powers and all kinds of stuff, and suddenly all of us working to solve the mystery of the cards in our hand makes really strong thematic sense. And I love it! I love it! But Shapers of Gaia is one of the best engine-building games of all time! So it's got to be Shakers of Gaia. Sorry. As much as I love the really offbeat co-op play of Hanabi, which is so improved by Beyond Baker Street, but it's got to be Shakers of Gaia. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, Runestones versus Flatline. Wow. Okay, so Runestones is designed by one of the OG greatest Euro designers of all time, Stefan Dora. And, or no, sorry. No, 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 not Stefan Dora. Although he's a great designer too. Rudiger Dorn. Mr. Istanbul, Mr. Goa. Ruder, this is uh, Runestones is um, Rudiger Dorn's take on deck building, and it's frickin' brilliant. Uh, because, you know, a good deck builder is all about building up your deck, but also, um, you know, uh, thinning out your deck. And Rudiger has designed all that together because every turn you play two cards from your deck in your hand, and one of the cards you get to keep, and one zoom. 
out of there. Gonesville, you'll never get to use it again. And every turn is agonizing, making those decisions as you try to basically mine runestones in a fantasy universe. So it is wonderful. And it's gotten an expansion that had some very cool stuff in it. Some stuff I didn't like, but also some very cool stuff. Flatline is a real-time cooperative worker placement game where we are in a science fiction emergency room trying to save people's lives in, you know, crazy bio beds that look like they're right out of Star Trek, the original series. And uh, it's brilliant too. And I love real time. I love cooperative, but I love deck building when uh, it does something really cool and new. This is the toughest choice yet of all of them. I genuinely. Rustos has got an expansion. Flatline didn't it? It probably won't, which is too bad. Um, wow. You know, here's the deal. I love co-ops. I would rather play co-ops seven ways till Sunday over competitive games. And it's so rare that we find a, 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 a co-op that my wife will enjoy as much as me. And she loves Flatline, so i got to give it to Flatline. But oh, Runestones. If you love deck builders, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Next up, Circadian's First Light versus Rival Realms. Okay. Uh, Circadian's First Light, a very, very cool dice worker placement game with my favorite mechanism of all time, or one of my favorite mechanisms, simultaneous action selection, where we plan out what our workers are going to do behind a screen, and then we reveal, and then we start resolving stuff. Great. Actually, I recently covered it because it's got a... I, I don't know if it's still live on Kickstarter or if it's crowdfunding experience. It got an expansion that makes it even freaking better. Rival Realms is a wonderful little, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, card, a tableau building game where it's actually a fantasy retheme of another from the same designer, Alt Siegert. And the original game was about how we were trying to make a, uh, uh, a museum display. What was it called? Was it Artsy, I think? Anyway, regardless. But, um, but anyway, so Artsy was already very, very cool. Rival Realms took it to the next level because what we're doing is you have a hand of cards. We're trying to build cards out to this central display. Three rows, cards have to be in ascending order. You can place them wherever you want, but if you put a 13 here and an 18 here, you cannot put a 19 between them no matter how much you want to. But the thing is, we're building this fantasy world, and at the same time, we have the opportunity to spend resources to send adventurers traveling around the world that we're building. And it's excellent. And it's absolutely wonderful. But Circadian's First Light is, uh, you know, another top 10 of the year candidate. So it's got to be Circadian's First Light. Sorry, Rival Realms. I know you'll be back. Santa Maria versus Vivid Memories. Now, Santa Maria, um, for the longest time, has been in, like, my top 25 games of all time. And um, so it ranks very high. It would be tough to beat it. And, um, you know, even though, man... I so hope the developers work with Jason Perez or somebody else to come up with a re-themed version of Santa Maria the same way Puerto Rico is uh, because it is still all about the era of colonization and it does have a lot to say about colonization and I respect how it tries to do it but it's still uh, it's just kind of unfortunate that one of the greatest dice um, worker placement tiling drafting games of all time easily has such a theme um, you know, if it could get, uh, you know, a revisit the way that, um, no, I think, yeah, it's, it's not like Maracaibo where you could say, oh, let's just flip the, and now we're working, uh, to get rid of the colonizers in this game. We are the colonizers and I so want it to be reset in space or after the colonizers leave the same way the new Puerto Rico is. 
Vivid Memories, to change subjects, is a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful little abstract game all about trying to create synaptic connections in your brain to relive vivid memories of your childhood. And the art in this game is so wonderful. Now, most people dismiss Vivid Memories as an abstract game, and I understand that. Um, and then they um, poo-poo it because they say abstract games should be really simple and smooth and clean and elegant. And, and Vivid Memories is not. Vivid Memories has to have one of the most complex rule sets of any abstract game you're ever likely to play, while still having the really great presentation of an Azul-style game with amazing art from Tom Bosley. I love it. I wish more abstract games introduced really complex, interesting Euro-style gameplay mechanisms instead of saying so clean and elegant. So I love that. But Santa Maria... I... It's so good. It is one of the best game experiences, and I feel a little dirty um, because, I've, and I can only hope some day down the road a Porter revisit it. But it's so good. It's so amazing. Uh, Castles of Burgundy, the dice game versus Fantastic Factories. Okay, Fantastic Factories I mentioned earlier. One of the another one of the greatest engine building games of all time. So simple, so clean. Just uh, playing. Um, Playing out cards that represent the factories we're building, but every round, rolling dice, and whatever dice we get will activate our factories in different ways so we can try and combo chain them together uh, as we're building up and upgrading and you know increasing our production chain. It's perfect. It's so good. Castles of Burgundy, the dice game, really captures the feel of Burgundy in a fast little 15-minute roll and write. It is so freaking good. <sighs> wow. See, this is tough. Both my wife and I tend towards the heavier things, and that means Fantastic Factory should win. But I want to appreciate pure, simple, beautiful elegance, which, I mean, although they're both wonderful, elegant, streamlined games, but to capture the feel of Burgundy with just a couple of dice and a sheet of paper that I roll and write is absolutely amazing. It is such a wonderful thing. But if you ask me which one I want to play, it would be Fantastic Factories. So it's got to be that one. Ah, I am who I am. Okay. Ooh, oh, wow. Okay. Founders of Teotihuacan versus the Castle of Burgundy. Okay, folks. Castle of Burgundy, which I just talked about a second ago, is uh, one of my favorite games of all time. It is the greatest Stefan Feld game of all time. It wins. I don't feel like I need to talk about it too terribly much because everybody knows about it. But boy, Founders of Teotihuacan comes on strong. It is excellent. It just missed. No, did it make my top 10 of the year last year? Did it? Or did it just miss? It is great. It is a polyomino tile-laying Tetris game with one of the coolest new twists on worker placement I've ever seen. Where you want to put your workers into a space first because you get first dibs and you get bonuses. But you want to put your worker places onto those same spaces later because I get to activate my worker and everybody else's worker who already went there. It is so cool. Really, really ahead of the curve. Just absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, reinvention of worker placement. And then the, the Tetris tiling is so good, too. And it's a tough game to beat. It's going to be back. It's going to be a lot of games. But it can't beat the Burgundy. Okay. Um, Limes versus Cascadia. And I know it's not Limes. In, in um, Latin, I believe it's Limes or something. Or Limes or something like that. Cascadia, everybody knows, of course. Uh, it won the Spiel des Jahres or was it the Kennerspiel? I forget. 
Uh, and with good reason, beautiful tiling game, literally physically beautiful. The uh, presentation of the uh, the uh, flora and fauna tiles as we're trying to build up our own little Cascadia range. Uh, and then really great example of entwined drafting where, oh, uh, I have to pick a bundle of things. And usually the thing I really want is bundled with something I don't want. And how do I resolve that? Just picks perfect and everybody freaking loves it. Everybody loves Cascadia. Uh, Leams is a, uh, a smaller, older game. And I have to admit, I have not played Leams in a long time. A long, long time. And, you know, this is how I go longer, folks. I mean, I've got over 400 games here. And some of these games I haven't played, you know, in, in uh, you know, close to a decade. And Leams or Limiers is one of those. And here's the deal. I don't remember. I do not remember how it plays at all. I remember really liking it because I kept it all these years. But you know what? I think, folks, we're going to have to end this with a cliffhanger. Episode 3 is over because i got to go do some research and look this game up and probably watch my run-through of it to remind myself of how it plays. So I think we're going to stop right there. Let me save my progress. What is the date today? I am live streaming this on January 31st. Update... And, um, right, so I just saved, right? And then if I come over here, it tells me I am now 5%. I only made 1% progress on this, folks, and however long we've just been doing it. But, folks, that just goes to say how long um, we are in this for the long haul. And hopefully you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought of my choices down in the comments, and I'll be back again soon to rank even more of these games. Thanks once again to the brilliant Pub Meeple Engine. Links for that down in the show notes. So, as always, folks, thank you very much for watching. Have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. 